Welcome to the Toys R Us report. If you lock the doors on him, he'll come in through the roof. Your host, Icy Robots. All right, greetings Earth people. I am from Jupiter. It's me again, Icy Robots. I'm not a hero. I just sacrificed for the betterment of mankind. We got a heck of a show ahead of us this week. It's a lot of fun stuff. First, we're going to start off with a little tale, a little tale of thrift shopping. It's a continuation from an earlier episode. Then we're going to move into a movie review. We're going to take a look at Book of Life, a movie that was produced by Pacific Rim's acclaimed director, Guillermo del Toro. That is a hard name to say, Guillermo. I think they're the L's are silent. I've heard him say it, and it seems like even that dude has trouble with it. Anyway, the movie is called Book of Life. It's animated. It looks super fun. We're going to check that out. Then we're going to move into a retro toy marketplace about my favorite, G.I. Joe character, their team's ranger, Stalker. All right, you've heard enough to be hooked. Let's start the show. You are listening to the Toys R Us Report, the greatest podcast in the world. If you are a longtime listener to the show, you will remember me referencing a place called The Dig. The Dig is a Goodwill outlet store, which is a place where unsorted materials go. I do plan on doing an entire episode about The Dig and the crazy characters that hang out there, but I wanted to touch upon a couple of characters that have shown up in an earlier episode. That would be episode number nine. I am talking about the two scrubs who hang out at the flea market and had that Star Wars 8mm film that they were trying to sell to me for a king's ransom. If you didn't hear the story then, I'll just tell it to you really quick. There was an 8mm highlight video. Why do I say video? An 8mm highlight reel made of clips from Star Wars. You could own this at home if you happen to be one of those home uh, theater cinema buffs. Well, anyway, they were put out, and I don't see them very often. I've seen one, and then I did actually see another one later. The people I'm talking about, the scrubs at the dig, wanted to charge me like a million dollars for this thing when I went and I looked it up on eBay and I saw that you can get them for as little as $2.99. These dudes actually got referenced in two episodes now that I think about it. If you go back far enough to the episode where I talk about Eagle Force, these dudes come up because they had a couple Eagle Force figures in a bag and they were looking to charge me an arm and a leg and another arm for them. I don't want you guys to think that I am judging these dudes too harshly. They are just my flea market nemeses. Whenever I try to get something from them, and they do from time to time have good stuff, they want to charge me as much as they can, which I understand that is the nature of the game, but they want to charge me like thousands of dollars for things that are like one or two dollars because, I don't know, because they don't like me, because they think I'm a thousandaire? I have no idea. I have no idea. Maybe they're just crazy and they never sell anything. It is entirely possible that they're just bananas. My run-ins with these two characters, there's one who has beady eyes and wears a hat, and then there is one with giant glasses and no teeth. My run-ins with them have never been good, 
this is what I found out. They actually live in the dig parking lot, which is weird enough. They have a trailer. Not Why did I say trailer? It is a Winnebago. They have a Winnebago that they drive around with them, and you see them at the flea market. It's what they keep their materials in. It's also where they live, which is, I guess it's a little sad, and I would be sad for somebody in this state if they both didn't seem perfectly able-bodied, maybe a little mentally feeble, but they seem perfectly able-bodied, and they're both kind of jerks. Anyway, we saw them, we pulled into the parking lot, and parked right next to the blue Winnebago, because it was the only place that was available, and right when we parked, the curtain opened, and I saw their beady little eyes look at me, and they closed it really quick. We went into the dig, and my wife is, like, a really friendly person, so she's talking to all the weirdos in there, and she tells them the story of how she, you know, parked next to them and saw their beady little eyes poking out. The dude she was talking to said, oh, you saw them? Did you smell the smell? There's a weird meat smell coming from over there. And then he did it. He name-dropped the nickname that all the people in the dig and the flea market circuit. Now, I did not know this. I don't know why I didn't know this, but... The dudes on the flea market circuit who are a little deeper in it than me have a name for these guys. And here we go. Let me get a drum roll, please. They are called the cannibal. What a way to go through life, huh? What a way to go through life with people looking at you and having them think, Hey, that guy, he looks like a cannibal. Him and his friend, they look like they eat people inside of their blue Winnebago. I guess it's all a matter of what you put out there for people. And if you put out a vibe that makes people go yuck, they are going to call you cannibals. So from this day forward, if I refer to these dudes who I do not like from El Flea Marquito, they will be known as the cannibals. This is the projectionist from the Saturday Frights podcast. You are listening to the Toys R Us report. <laughs> In a moment, at the movies, without Ebert, Siskel, or even that dude Roper. But you got Icy Robot, so that's something, right? One, two, three, squad! Seriously? This Halloween. Epic fiestas every day, and all you can eat churros! <laughs> you goofball. Come on, let's do this! Cheers. Book of Life. The Book of Life has been out forever. It, oh, what was that? Let's take a look. When you hear the cha-ching, that means I sold something on eBay. Let's take a little peek. Normally, I leave my phone outside of the recording studio, but for some reason, it's in my pocket. So let's take a look at the cha-ching. What is it? It is a... Let's get another drum roll. Not really. I don't want to find the sound effect. It is a Sony Walkman. Oh, I got $24.99 for that. So thank you to whoever bought it. I will make sure to get it out to you in the mail immediately. But let's get back to the movie. My wife had been dying to see this. She is into the whole Day of the Dead, Sugar Skulls, Lucha Libre scene. And it's cool. It's directed by my man GDT, Guillermo del Toro. And it has Channing Tatum. It looked good. I don't know. It was just one of those things that never worked its way up to the top of the list. And it probably should have considering we did see some clunkers along the way. I am not going to say the movie was bad. 
because in no way was it bad. I do want to say that this isn't the kind of movie like Big Hero 6 or some of the other Pixar films that you're going to go see by yourself. This is something you will definitely want to see with your children or take, you know, some somebody else's children with you, I guess, because... It, I don't know. It just does not have that depth to where you're sitting there enjoying it by yourself. I did think that it was really good, though. I think for a family film, you'll have a great time. The art direction is fantastic. The characters are really unique looking. They do have a Day of the Dead thing going on, which is really neat, but everybody looks so distinct and so different and so unlike other Sugar Skull-like Day of the Dead characters that I've seen in the past that I really want to give props to whoever was behind that. I'm sure it's not uh, Del Toro himself, even though I'm sure he had a finger in it, but whoever is the genius behind the art direction, you know, you get a big bow-wow from over here at the ISR Command Center. Let's see, who was in the movie? There was Channing Tatum, and then there was... Diego Luna. I am not that familiar with Diego Luna, even though he is one of my wife's uh, favorite actors. She sees a lot of different movies than me. She sees like some Spanish language films and some other stuff that I just, I can't be bothered with. So there's this whole other group of actors that she's into and Diego Luna is one of them. He plays the lead dude and then there's Channing Tatum as kind of an overbearing type. And they really, they complement each other well. I think that the times that they do interplay, you can really feel kind of like the artsy-fartsy Diego Luna character and then the big over-the-top Channing Tatum character. I don't have anything bad to say about the movie. I really don't. It was a lot of fun. It had some fun songs. And as to be expected, Cheech is in it. And I'm pretty sure I heard Chong, but I don't have the... I can't verify that for sure. But I did know that I heard Cheech and I heard Chong. Uh, Ron Perlman's in it. And it's great. I don't know. Go rent it, or even better, wait till it's on cable. Wait till it's on cable or on Netflix. Sit down with your family, pop some corn, make some hot chocolate. You know, make the Mexican-style hot chocolate. It's a little different than the American style. Look it up on the internet, get a recipe, or just go get some instant Mexican hot chocolate mix. Make some corn, and this is what you do. Put some chili pepper on the corn. The red chili pepper makes it a little more Mexican style, which will be completely fitting with the movie. Kick back, watch it. You guys will have a great time. I guarantee it. As far as family viewing goes, this movie gets 10 thumbs up. ISR recommended. <laughs> ready for the retro marketplace okay i see robots this is your one chance show them what you got gi joe's ranger stalker stalker was one of the first gi joe's that i ever got i cannot say if he was the absolute first but he was one of the first and i think that might be why even up until today he remained one of if not my favorite I think that maybe everybody's favorite G.I. Joe character is either Snake Eyes or Storm Shadow, depending on how you view yourself. But discounting that, I do believe that Stalker, the team's ranger, is probably my favorite. What I really like about him is that he was like the original set of 16 G.I. Joes in that he was somewhat realistic. I realized that they had a laser trooper and they had all these other kooky guys 
but they did try to stick to some sort of semblance of like realistic arminess. And he kind of, he came out with just camouflage and honestly, it looked like pajamas to me at the time. His camo fatigues have always resembled like he was wearing pajama pants with a pajama shirt. I think about the dude wearing his beret and he only came with one machine gun. To me, he really symbolized like a Vietnam era type dude. To people in their late 30s and their 40s, I think Vietnam is the rough conflict that we think about when we think about war. To the earlier generations, it was probably World War II, but I think that we're going to stick with what war our fathers fought in or could have conceivably fought in. So we are all really Vietnam-centric, and Lonzo Williams, a.k.a. Stalker, was a Vietnam vet. And to me, that made him, like, ultra-tough. Ultra-tough right off the bat, because remember... Vietnam was scary. It was scary because you would hear about these atrocities, uh, things that were perpetrated against the civilians and the atrocities that the Viet Cong would in return perform upon or our soldiers. And that was nightmare inducing stuff to me. And I think about Stalker and I think about the early Joes and how they were in that and how that gave them a harder edge to them. Let's take a look through our videotaped stack here before we move on to the next segment of the roundup. Um, what do we got? Oh, here we go. This is a good one. Let's see what it says. Stalker and... Stalker and Scarlet trap... Trap? Is that trap or trip? I think it says trap. Scarlet and Stalker trap Zartan. My handwriting on these is abysmal. It is the worst. I don't know what I was even writing with. It looks like I might have been using my own blood. It is so smudged. Stalker and Scarlet trap with Zartan. All right, let's pop this bad boy in here and see what we got ahead of us. Fools, I'm over here. You'll never find me in the shadows. We'll see about that. No, don't. Lady J? Lady J, if you've hurt her, Zartan... <laughs> so there's enough auxiliary power to give you a big surprise. No! Stop it! Lady J, are you hurt? I'm... I'm alright. He hit me from behind. I hate the sunlight! I hate it! Zartan was such a simp. Did you hear him there? The sunlight, it burns! What a wiener. Anyway, we will dig into the background of Stalker here for a minute. Stalker was one of the original 16 figures released when G.I. Joe came out in 1982. His official designation is as the team's ranger, even though he is also given credit as being a linguistics expert. The rangers are a unit in the army that harkens back to the days of the Civil War. To become a ranger, you have to pass a 61-day combat leadership course oriented towards small unit tactics. U.S. Ranger School is considered the toughest leadership course that the U.S. Army has to offer. In return for all that tough learning, it turns out the toughest soldiers that we have. Basically, if you have a bad situation and you need a small group of tough dudes to go in there and take care of it, you call in guys like Stalker and his Ranger crew and they will mop up for you. Stalker's Christian name is Alonzo or Lonzo Williams. Before joining the Army, he grew up in Detroit, Michigan, where he was the leader of a large street gang. I have looked high and low I have not been able to find the name of the gang he was in charge of. Just for the sake of argument, let's pretend that this is like that scene in WKRP in Cincinnati, and we will call them the Neutrons. While he was the leader of the Neutrons, Stalker, he got a skill for taking care of and making 
rambunctious, crazy, tough dudes do what he wanted. So while after growing disillusioned with his life in the gang, he decided to join the army, the skills that he learned while the leader of the Neutrons propelled him to into a leadership role in the army. You can see how he was teaching these young punks how to fight. And frankly, teaching scrubs how to fight is the main job of a sergeant. And that is what Alonzo became when he made it into the army. Eventually, this path led him into the Vietnam conflict where coincidentally, and this is an amazing coincidence that will lead into many great storylines in the future. He was put into the same long range recon patrol as Storm Shadow and Snake Eyes. Over the course of the war, the three dudes became BFFs or best friends forever. But when the war ended, Stalker continued on in the army while the other two moved on to the Orient to study ninja stuff. I wonder if they invited Stalker along. I kind of don't think so, but it is possible that they did. Anyway, he stayed in the armed forces and eventually Duke picked him when he was helping to put together the initial G.I. Joe team. So some of the first dudes he thought about when he was thinking about who he would want were, of course, his old buddies, Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow. Only Snake answered the call because Storm Shadow was, you know, fighting for the boys in blue. Let's take another peek into one of these videotapes that I have lying around here. It is from an episode where the Joes believe that they have an impenetrable fortress. That's a hard word to say. Impenetrable. Impenetrable? I forget which it is. M or N. Anyway, they believe that they have an impenetrable fortress. So what they do is they task a Joe team led by Stalker into trying to assault the base to see if they can break through the supposed invulnerable defenses. Let's take a peek. Thanks for uh, dropping in, Stalker. Shall we do our thing? Alfred Boo, my share, Scarlet. Well, thank you, sir. It looks like your team blew it on the first try. You were saying, well done. But your success only proves security here is adequate. I, I, I just had to pop the tape out at that point. Don't you feel as if the general was going to say that if they broke in, that proves it was adequate. If they couldn't break in, that proves it was adequate. It was one of those no-win kind of situations that the military seemed to want to put dudes in all the time. Or at least in popular fiction at any rate. What we are going to do now is take a look online and see what it's going to cost to get Stalker or one of the many different versions of Stalker they made over the years back into your toy collection. It's not really that bad. It There are some pricey items, but in general, you can get yourself a nice stalker at a really fair price. If you want to get the straight armed, and that's the original 16-figure series stalker from way back in 1982, you can get one with his weapon for $20. Maybe without the weapon for $12, $13, but I notice you can pick up the gun itself for maybe $2.99 to $4. You might be thinking it could be a good idea to buy them separately and put them together, but you have to factor in the cost of shipping into the equation. If you're going to look for a carded figure, like a nice one on the card, the most expensive one I saw listed right now was going for, get this, $1,200. I guess it was graded, and I don't really follow grading or any of that stuff too, too closely, so I don't know. I think it was like a 9, which is I'm sure is great. And I'm sure that there aren't that many stalkers out there that are in a 9 or a 10 condition. It's an old action figure. It's been out for close to like 35 years now. And that's, you know, that's no joke. That's a whole entire lifetime of some of us out there. I myself am just a little bit older than that. And I'm sure maybe, I am sure maybe, I'm sure that maybe 
some of you out there are a little bit younger, I'm thinking, you know, the 30, 35 range is probably an accurate assessment of our audience. Probably with some going into the 50s and maybe a little beyond that. I don't know how much beyond that is into a podcast in the first place or why with the wisdom that comes with age you would be interested in my particular podcast at any case. When I looked into the sold auctions, and that's just going to be the ones that actually went out there, ran their course, and somebody purchased them, what I noticed was most stalkers that sold, most carded stalkers, we're in the 2 to 250 range. That's really probably a realistic assessment of what it's going to cost you to get a nice condition one. Sometimes you'll see these people who have, you know, the $1,300, $1,400 action figures. And what that says to me, what that says to me is that I have this and I will sell it if you give me enough money. But I'm honestly not really looking to sell it. I will, though. I will sell it if you make it worth my time and my time is worth a lot. There is another neat one up there that's fairly expensive, and that is the Red Fun School Stalker. Fun School is a company in India. I don't know if they're based out of India or if they just sell in India. At any rate, they produce these action figures that were based upon the G.I. Joe molds. A lot of times they would use the same mold and then color them in a different pattern. And one of the different patterns they came up with was a red uniformed stalker. They also made a normal stalker and then a desert stalker, but the red one is hard to find. I did see one at a toy show once in Sacramento and I wasn't familiar with it or the legend. So when someone pulled me aside and said, hey, come take a look at this, I didn't really know what I was looking at. He saw me looking at some GI Joes and he pulled me aside and said, hey, if you're into Joes, I also have this red fun school stalker. Doesn't that sound like some kind of an evil villain, the fun school stalker? Like somebody who goes out there and kills preschool kids. I am the fun school stalker. The red fun school stalker. The one red fun school stalker that I saw online was up there and sold for $450. I wonder what that dude at the sack show wanted for it. I didn't even... I didn't even ask, I don't know, because I didn't know what it was in the first place. The second figure that came out of Stalker was in 1989, and he had a snow motif with also a white kayak. I guess he was, like, going kayaking through the Arctic or, or whatever. If you want to get that one, you can get him on the card for maybe 40 50 bucks and loose for, like, 4 or $5. There is also an Action Force release. Action Force is the English version of G.I. Joe, and you can get that one for maybe 50, 60 bucks on the card. It looks very similar. The action figure itself looks very similar. The card is completely different. It doesn't say G.I. Joe. That wouldn't go over so well in Britain. They don't, you know, they don't care about American soldiers, so instead they switched them to like an international peacekeeping force, and you can get the peacekeeping force version of Stalker up there for like 60, 50 bucks, somewhere in that neighborhood. There are two more Stalkers worth mentioning, and that's only because there's only really two more that I am all that into, and they are the Sideshow Collectibles Stalker, and Sideshow Collectibles is a company that makes one-sixth scale dolls, which are a foot tall, one-sixth scale, one foot equals six feet, which is, you know, the average height of an action hero. And these figures, or dolls, they're more like dolls to me, but they are highly detailed, incredibly detailed, with amazing accessories, and they have cloth, clothes. They're really beautiful. They, they're very accurate. When they make them off an actor, you know, for example, like Tony Stark's in Iron Man movie, it will look like Robert Downey Jr. to a... They're very nice, but also very expensive. If you wanted to get the Sideshow Collectible Stalker, he is going to set you back 
$399 to $500. That's the range I saw completed in, you know, sold, completed. $399 to $500. The final action figure that I want to talk about is the Japanese release. I really like this one a lot. It's the original 1982 figure and weapon, but he comes on a blue card with Japanese kanji on it. It is just beautiful. I would love to have it. I've only ever seen it one time. I saw it one time at WonderCon. At the WonderCon that, uh, what's that guy's name? The Toy Hunter. Jordan Himbro. On one of his episodes in, I believe, the first season of the show, he got a booth. Well, it was more than a booth. It was like a giant complex at WonderCon. And one of the cool things he had there was that. I did, like, I didn't know. I had been watching the show, but I didn't know that this was Himbro's booth. So I went up there and, like, I saw the Joes and I was totally into it. He had, he had, like, his greatest stuff out there because they were filming a bit. And I, I didn't see the cameras. I don't know. I wasn't paying that much attention. Sometimes in these large super cons, it's very overwhelming. And you do see cameras all over the place. So it's not something that really stands out. And I saw the cameras at Himbro's booth. I didn't see Himbro. That would have changed everything. But I did see the cameras. And I went up and asked about the G.I. Joe figures, and they kind of gave me the brush off, saying, Hey, kid, you got to move along. You know, we're getting ready to do something here. Anyway, if you want to get those on eBay, they're going to cost maybe 50, 60 bucks. It's not that bad considering you're getting something rare. Not rare. Rare as far as seeing them here in the United States, but not rare as in as in like not that many of them exist. It's just not something that you run into all the time. It is something that might get your friends to go, Hey, what's that? And that, you know... That's worth 50, 60 bucks anyway. And really, this is all you're ever going to need to know about Sergeant Stalker, or just Stalker as I prefer to call him. So, let's move into the final segment of the show. Make sure to visit virtualdirtmall.com and support the show with a generous purchase of some retro or not-so-retro junk. He won't be sorry for long. Up next, the Toys R Us report. Hey, you know, thanks for sticking in this far. I really appreciate it. I appreciate anyone who actually sits down and listens to this. So, hey, if you've made it this far, good on you, my man. And before we get too far into the Toys R Us report, I want to give a big shout out to my boy, Willie, my buddy, Willie Culver at the ColecoVisions podcast. He's the one who got me into the retro junkies. And for that, I owe you a big bow wow, my man, a big round of applause. Thanks for being so supportive. Thanks for being so cool. Your aces in my book. So with all of that mushy stuff out of the way, let's move forward into the final segment of the show, the Toys R Us report, where I tell you the cool things I saw out and about shopping for toys in the world. And really, we're still in the post-Christmas thing, so I have not seen anything that cool. I keep expecting the new series of Marvel Legends to come out, and I haven't seen them. I keep expecting to see the new Star Wars Black, and I haven't seen them. Went down to the Toys R Us, and they had a lot of sales. They're in the process of clearing out the stuff they didn't sell at Christmas, and that's always good. Good for you, good for me to get some bargains, you know, but it's stuff you didn't buy in the first place. So it might be a situation where you're picking up something that you were iffy about in the first place, and with the extra discount, it's what throws you over the edge. I see that happening, but... I'm just not seeing anything cool, and we went to the flea market, and I still didn't see anything cool. So what are you going to do? I guess it's just one of those times where you strike out. But you got to give it up to yourself for getting up, going out in the cold, bundling up, hitting the flea market, hitting the toy stores, doing what it takes to thrive and survive. So with all that said, we're going to head out of here. It's been, it's been a week, my friends, and with all this, with all this knowledge I've imparted upon you, I mean, how could I give you any more, right? That would just be 
unfair of me. It's like when the teacher goes on and on and on and on and on and on and on past the point where your head can retain the knowledge. And it's just, you know, it's all for his ego. It's just he's letting you know how much he knows. And I don't want to do that. I don't want to be that guy. So I'm going to head off into the hills, right into the sun. If you don't know, now you know. See you next week.